Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Years ago. We'll see how many of you actually remember it. There was a guy come traveling up to Pittsburgh from West Virginia, and he stopped at a gas station down in Washington County. And there was four old guys sitting there at the gas station. It was off the beaten path. It wasn't like it was on 79. And the one guy said, number 13. And everybody laughed. And the guy didn't understand. Why did this guy say number 13? And, everybody... and then another guy said, number 52. Everybody started to laugh. So he went up to the... And they said, well, why are you laughing at these numbers? And they said, well, we only have 99 jokes. So we numbered them all. And then we tell the joke. Well, and he says, oh, can I... So he says, oh, I'm going to try to... So he says, number 14, and nobody laughed. And he said, well, why didn't anybody laugh? And he said, well, some people can tell a joke and other people can't. So if you're expecting me to tell a good joke, well, I'm limited like, to, with only a couple of jokes. But uh, just to kind of get everything started, but, you know, this book then sings my soul. I have two of them at home, and it's like, the first thing what I'm going to go over is He Lives. These are little testimonies. The way the hymn, He Lives, got wrote was actually by a preacher who was witnessing to a Jew guy. And he's like, why should I worship a dead Jew? This guy kept, and he kept coming back, well, Jesus is alive. He's, he's alive. And then it was getting closer to Easter. And it got to be Easter. And he heard somebody preaching on the radio. And he basically said, it didn't matter whether or not Jesus rose from the dead or not. And that just really irritated him. And he went home and he talked to his wife and says, I can't get this off my mind. This guy believes Jesus is dead. You know? And his wife said, well, what do you do best? You write songs. Well, you know what? He sat down and wrote the song, He Lives. Because you know what? Our faith in, in God, it comes back to, you know what? Jesus is risen from the dead. He lives. Whether the world or our school system says, no, this can't be. He lives today. And the second one I want to go over is trust and obey. And if you don't have these type of books in your library, I kind of recommend it. Because you know what? It's easy to get discouraged from work. You hear all, nothing but negativity a lot of times in the secular world. And sometimes you just need to sit down and you think, these guys are, you know, super scholars, theologians. They, they can't have a bad day, right? Well, they have bad days too. And trust and obey, it says, the scripture above it is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, Daniel B. Towner, who wrote the melody to this song, and it is inherited his love for music from his father, a professor. 
J.G. Tonham, a beloved vocalist and music teacher. While growing up, Daniel had studied with some of the finest church musicians available and began his career as a worship leader in a Methodist church in Binghamton, New York. He later served in other churches in Ohio and Kentucky, being before attacked by evangelist D.L. Moody in the fall of 1885. For several years, Daniel traveled with Moody, singing and doing personal work. He wants to explain how this hymn came to be wrote. Mr. Moody was conducting a series of meetings in Brockton, Massachusetts, and he had been leading the singing. One night, a young man rose in a testimony meaning said, I'm not, I'm, I am not quite sure, but I am going to trust and I am going to obey. I just jotted that sentence down and, it's, it, and sent it with a little story to Reverend J.H. Samus, a Presbyterian minister. And Samus wrote a poem based on the phrase, Trust and Obey, and sent it back to Towner, who went to work on the music. Alfred Smith in his Treasury of Hymn Histories adds that while working on the music to trust and obey, Dr. Towner grew discouraged. That evening in his home, he crumpled up the paper, threw the manuscript into the wastebasket. The next morning, as his wife was straightening out his office, she retrieved the crumpled paper and sang over the words and melody to herself. She left it on the organ and encouraged her husband to work on it some more, telling him, I feel the melody you have written is just what is needed to carry the messages. She was right. How many times, guys, we need to listen to our wives. And before we quit a project, you know, we might want to take a little bit of time to see when we should, should quit. Now, the title of my sermon today is called The Great Deception. And a lot of times we think about the great deception, and to me the great deception here in America is Christians questioning the Word of God, and Christians not knowing their Bible. But you know, in Genesis 3, in the fall of man, if you want to just turn there, we're going to look at some scripture. I'm using the New American Standard. This is the fall of man, and you kind of look at what some of the lies that Satan told. In Genesis chapter 3, and it says, verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, if you go back to Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, this is what God really told Adam. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you shall surely die. Now Eve, now I don't know if it was because Adam didn't give her the direct quote from God or what happened, or how, we don't know the time period of passage of this between when Eve got 
got deceived, and Adam willingly chose to disobey God. But we saw that Eve, nowhere did God say that you could, they could not touch the fruit. And God didn't say that it was in the middle of the garden. Now, whether or not the tree, tree of knowledge was in the middle of the garden, we're not certain. Scripture doesn't tell us that. So, you can place that tree anywhere you want. You could put it in an obscure corner of the garden. All we can go by is what Eve said, that it was in the middle of the garden. Whether or not it was, because it is in there, I believe that if it wasn't in the middle, it was very close to the middle. But they weren't allowed to eat of that tree. And you, if you notice, God had a name for that tree. Eve did not mention what the name of that tree was. She just said the tree in the middle of the garden. In the second part, verse 4 says, The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the days you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now at this point in time, Adam and Eve did not know good and evil. They hadn't ate of the fruit. But there, there it is that the serpent is saying to the woman, you shall surely not die when God says you surely will die. And if you go down to verse 6, we get the woman's response on, on it. She says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. In verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. What I want to look at is, a lot of times we picture deception, and we picture it, like when I read that, you know, it's easy to picture it happening just one section, little section of time. We don't know over the course of how long this took before they actually ate of the fruit. But if you look for the woman's response, you see the phrase, good for food, delight to the eyes, and make one wise. If you go over to 1 John 2.16, and yeah, I'm going from beginning to almost near the end of the Bible, but it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, a lot of times we think of, like the title is the great deception. We think of, oh, yep, Adam and Eve were deceived. You know what? As Christians, a lot of times we're deceived because we start, like Eve, we question and what God has said. If we know the word, the word of God says, we're not going to question it. And I'm going to go with the assembly of God, you know, what they say in their little pamphlet on, about the Bible, and it says, the Bible is inspired, the entire, the entire Bible is verbally inspired. It was just not the ideas that were inspired. It's even the choice of words was inspired, 
as the original writers were moved by God to write what he, what he wanted them to say. Scriptures are a, scriptures are God's revelation of himself to mankind. They are infallible. That means they are never wrong. So when I'm doing something and it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not the Word of God's fault. It's my fault. And they are a divinely authoritative guide for our faith, belief, and manner of living. And a lot of times we don't like the idea of it, that the Bible should be a guide to our manner of living. But it is. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and I'm just going to pick one of the scriptures here that deals with from the assemblies of God of, you know, what, the, what it says about the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a, the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And a lot of times what happens is, Christ, as we get Christians, we start thinking about the Word of God, and we say, well, would God, does God really love me? Does, we start questioning, not what God is up to, but we're questioning His attributes and His character. And it's like a lot of times, you know, if you're looking for a healing... You know, it's like sometimes we want to question what God is saying, what His Word is saying. It's like, well, it's good for that person, but not for me. Well, you know what? God's Word is for you. It's the way we guide our lives. And a lot of times when we question, we're questioning whether God is completely sovereign, whether or not God is infinite in wisdom, because sometimes we like to believe that we know a better plan for our life than what God has for us. You know, and I work at a secular job, and when a Powerball gets up there, it becomes the talk of the shop of how, you know, everybody's going to, you know, hit the Powerball and be gone, and how that's going to dramatically change their life. Yeah, if you did hit the Powerball, it would dramatically change your life. But if you look at the studies, 80% of the people who have won over a million dollars on the lottery regret that they have won because it destroyed their life. A lot of times we are destroyed but what we think is going to be good. And I mean, many people are familiar with good is the enemy of the great. And a lot of times we get caught up in our lives as Christians. You know what? We look at our schedules, how we've got to be here, we've got to be there, we've got this going on, that going on. And what happens? We start neglecting the Word of God. We start re re neglecting our prayer time. Oh, this is important. You know what? When you sit there and realize how Jesus is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, you'd think you would make time for Him every day. But you know what happens? He gets pushed to the side. Now, if something happened and President Obama or one of the Republican candidates was going to be at this church, you'd prepare. Or if they were coming to your house, you would prepare for it. A lot of times as Christians, we're like, oh, oh, I'm going to pick up my Bible and read it real quick because this is my duty. It needs to be more than a duty. We sing about loving God, worshiping God. Are we taking the time in God's Word to really get it into us? And I wrote, 
I read the book of, by Patterson's on the circle maker, and he made a good illustration in there about how we ger- a prayer is like a seed and it germinates. And you know what? You got to plant. You got to get the soil just right. A lot of times we go into reading our Bible and it's a duty, and we want to get through it. Sometimes, instead of trying to read three chapters or read through the Bible in one day, we need to take a sit back and just read a small section, meditate on it, because you know what? His reference to God's Word and reading God's Word is, if you don't take time to meditating, it's like me eating lunch but not digesting it. Because if you're not digesting what is in the Word of God, you know what? you can be deceived. Because you know what? In the last days, Jesus said, be careful, people is going to say, the Christ is over there, the Christ is here, and people are going to run after Him. You need to know where where you stand with Christ and who you are in Christ because a lot of times we forget who we are in Christ. You know, when you're looking at, if you were going to deceive somebody, how would you do it? You give them a half-truth. And if you look at our school system, where it is today and where it was 30 years ago, there is a drastic change in our school system. Did it happen overnight? No. It was a slow process. The deception was slow. Many Christians didn't even see it coming. And I'll, I'll use Steve's, Steve's analogy. You put a frog in boiling, you put a frog in water and you just keep turning the temperature up. You know what? The frog won't hop out of the pan. It keeps adjusting. A lot of times, because we're not in the Word of God, the world is being able to desensitize us to what is really important. And I mean, when I look at the schedules, and being single, I, I think I have an advantage because it seems like people with kids... Their schedules are so much crazier. It, it just seems like, like life has gotten so complicated because we have all these, all these schedules. Sometimes we need to just sit back and slow down. And when we look at the Word of God and it's like, well, can I trust in the sovereignty of God? I'm going to give you some scriptures here. And this is actually out of Jeff Ridges' book on trusting God. And it says, in, a, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 16.9 Many are the plans of, in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Proverbs 19.21 There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can, can succeed against the Lord. Proverbs 21.30 Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? Ecclesiastes 7.13 Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Lamentations 3.37 You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James 4.15 And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Revelation 3, 7. 
I know that you can do all things. No plans of yours can be thwarted. Job 42.2 Our God is in heaven. He does whatever, he, whatever pleases Him. Psalm 115.3 For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart Him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? Isaiah 14.27 Yes, and from ancient days I am He. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Isaiah 43.13 I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. Isaiah 46.10 All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? Daniel 4.35 In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the, to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Ephesians 1.11 Those are just some of the scriptures dealing with the sovereignty of God. When you sit there and you think about who our God is, we look at the people around us and we think, oh man, this is going to be tough. You know, our God is the God who is in control. And you know, when we sit there and we th think about trusting God, it's like we can trust what His Word says. It's infallible. It's never wrong. A lot of times we want to put our trust in people. Well, you know what? People are going to let you down. You know, you can try to, if you want to trust our government right now, guess what? They're going to let you down. You think you can trust people or governments? Or, you know, that you've got things under control? Well, you know what? You're going to find that you're going to let yourself down. You know, and that's just dealing with the sovereignty of God. But when we start looking at His wisdom, you know, Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of his, the riches of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You know, and it also talks about how his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts and his plans for you are so much greater. And we like to think that we can figure out the plans for ourselves. I mean, we're wise. You know, we live in the United States. We have all this education. Well, you know what? Our plans and our wisdom doesn't even come close. Because a lot of times what we do is we start questioning whether God is completely sovereign. We're going to question His wisdom. And sometimes we want to question God's love, what is best for us. And it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through, through Him who loved us. It lists a bunch of things that can go wrong. And you know what? Right now, the United States is on a course against God. Things are going to start going wrong. But you know what? We can have confidence, and we don't have to question whether or not God loves us. We know what the Word of God says. You know... There's a popular song out now, and it's called Words, and it's by Hawk Nelson. And a lot of times we start thinking of words. But as we are ambassadors for Christ, and the words that we speak are very important. 
When we look at the Word of God, it doesn't fail. But you know what? Our words also carry weight to the people around us. A lot of times, it's easy to get caught up with something that might be negative. But we need to make sure that our words are positive, that we're truly reflecting God in our words. We are representing Him to a dying and hurting world who in... Corinthians talks about, 4.4 talks about how he has blinded their eyes so that they cannot see God. And a lot of times we don't look at how blinded people are. And I'll admit, you know, you watch the Discovery Channel and you see programs called Ancient Aliens and you're like, how do these people come up with this? But yet, in their heart, they believe that they're sincerely right. When we know our God it's the God of the Bible. And a lot of times we want to question it. And you know what? When you get into homosexuality and stuff like that, you know what? You have to ask yourself, why did God make Eve? If man was good enough for man, then why did God create Eve? You're saying that God wasn't wise in what He did. It takes... And when you look at nature, it doesn't line up either. But... With knowing what the words we need to say and how the world has gone counterculture to Christianity, we need to be careful on the words that we use. But a lot of things that I find in today's society is if you go back through the first 11 books of Genesis, the first, or I mean chapters of Genesis, the first 11 chapters, you'll find that our scientific world is trying to disprove them, but you know what? The more scientists look at stuff, they're like, you know what? This truly happened. Guess what? You go to any culture in the world, they have a story about a great flood. Guess what? We have it in the Bible. Noah. You say, well, how could he put all the animals of the world on a little ark? Guess what? Dogs breed dogs. You watch the commercials for, uh, I forget which dog food it is, no. Every dog has the wolf gene in it. Guess what? He only needed two wolves. He carried, that would cover all your dogs. When we sit there and look, scientists are starting to prove. You know, I get, I'm pretty good at getting myself hurt and cutting myself and bleeding. But you know what? What tells my blood to clot so that I stop bleeding? But yet, our blood flows freely until there's a cut. There's so much that science is starting to realize that there had to be an intellectual creator. All this stuff is not by happenstance. Many scientists today don't believe that evolution could happen. But in continuing the fight against some of the deceptions that the world's bringing, they want Christians to start questioning what the Word of God says. Well, you know what? In Genesis 1-1, when it says God created the sun in a day, on day four, you know what? I believe a day is a day. Not, well, it could be a time period because you know what? Anytime that you have evening and day, anywhere else in Scripture, it always represents one day. Why do we question that? It's one, this, them trying to get people to put in the idea of evolution. Trying to get you to question what the Word of God... Because if we can change what the first parts of Genesis are, well, we can get you to change what the rest of the Bible says.
And you know, when you start looking at what the Bible says and how we can know our God by reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God, you know, just some of the names of God, and I got a paper here, you know, many of us know the Lord who sanctifies you is Jehovah Miss. If I mispronounce the Hebrew words, just you're going to have to forgive me. Mechadishkum. You know, the Lord is peace. You know what? Sometimes we go through a troubled time period, and you know what? The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord who heals. We've had people in this church healed of cancer. He is the Jehovah Rapha. When was the last time you prayed using God's name? And you got the Lord Adonai. Now, we have El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And I have to admit, the way Amy Grant sings that song, El Shaddai, I love it. I mean, that, to me, that was one of her better songs. But a lot of times when we're going through something tough, we're, we ask and question, well, could this God really see where I'm at or what I'm going through? You know what? El Roy Roi is the God who sees. You know, and a lot of times we want to get really, oh, oh. This was for Hagar. Hagar had to run away with Ishmael. Ishmael. And it was the God who saw her in the desert place. We like to think, oh, God doesn't see what I'm going through. Well, you know what? God does see what you're going through. Just like he sees what you're going through, he also sees what's going on over in the third world countries. He knows what's going on he, over in Russia. He knows what Putin is up to. There's no plan that Putin has that God doesn't know. But a lot of times we, we look at, like Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord our righteousness, and Jehovah Shah, the Lord is there. It doesn't matter what you're going through where, God is there. God is with us. And a lot of times we like to think that, oh, you know, Satan wants us to start believing that God doesn't see what we're going through. Well, you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. People have gone through all kind of personal conflicts from day, all the way back in Adam and Eve's day, Cain and Abel's day, all the way through. And you know what? When somebody wants to bring up a racist card, guess what? We're all related in here. We all trace back to Adam. So guess what? We're all related. You know, so when we sit there and we look at it, if you're going to deceive somebody, you don't want them to know what the Word of God says. And you know what? There's a lot of teachings out there of different things. And if you don't want to know what the Bible truly says about that topic, I'm sure somebody can convince you of something else. But my question is, are we truly studying God's Word so that we know? Because you know what? Here in the United States, we got it easy. Because you know what? You can go on the internet, click a button, topic, and you can have this whole thing scrolled on. Guess what? What if the, that guy that you just clicked on, scrolled on, he gave you bad information? Do you check it? Have you, can, have you seen what the Word of God says? We need to compare everything from the commentaries to what the Word of God says. And you know what? God has also given us the Holy Spirit. We need to be using the Holy Spirit. You know what? Because in today's last days, and I believe that we are in the last days, there is a lot of deception going on. 
And we need the Holy Spirit to be active and working. That's why when I read my Bible, you know what, normally I will try to take five, at least five minutes to pray before I read my Bible. Because you know what, I want what God has for me. And you know what, if you just flippantly just don't read your Bible, you're not going to get anything out of the Bible. Now God can show you something, but you know what, prepare yourself for what God has. It's like when you come to church. Do you come expecting something from God? Or do you come because, well, you just want to hang out with cool people? That's right, we're cool. You're cool if you're a Christian. You know, there's some basic spiritual disciplines in this that every Christian should be using. And I broke them into three categories, and it's coming from a book called The Celebration of Disciplines. Now, with this being Memorial Day weekend, you're thinking, oh, he didn't mention veterans. That's right. You know, everyone in here who is a Christian is a veteran because you're in the God's army. And you know what? There used to be a saying, well, you know, get off the bench and get into the game. Well, you know what? In today's day and age, you're already in the game. There's a battle for your soul every day. Satan wants to destroy you and what God is doing in your life. He doesn't like you. And he's going to, not going to come to you and just walk up to you and say, I don't like you. He's going to try to de deceive you. And you know what? A lot of times, see what he'll use? Christians around you. He'll try to get you fighting or quarreling with one another. Oh, you don't like this guy, this, because they're different. That's why you've got to go with the Word of God. Yeah, you can have disagreements with Christians and look at what the Word of God says. But in the end, bring it back to the Word of God. If you research the topics and know what the Word of God says, you know that you can't be deceived. And in these basic disciplines, inward disciplines to me, in the way this book put it, is prayer, meditation, fasting, and study. If I ask you a question in here, how many of you have studied a book of the Bible on your own in the last, so far this year? There's not too many of you that can say that you did it. Oh, well, well, the pastor's going through the book of Acts. Guess what? Challenge him. Go through the book of Acts and study it yourself. Know where he's coming from. What he's trying to get across. God can show you things that he didn't show the pastor. You know what? We need to be studying the Word of God because you know what? That's the way you don't get deceived. Second, our disciplines are simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. You know what? How many times we don't like to submit? Well, I don't want to submit to this person. Or, but you know what? Jesus Christ submitted to the cross. That is something I hope I know. On this earthly side, I don't have to do. But you know what? Are we willing to submit? What kind of acts of service do we have towards fellow Christians in the world? Do we do everything grudgingly? Or do we do it happily because we're serving the true and living God? And when people look at the word simplicity and they, they want to think, oh, you know what? Oh, that's just something simple. We live in too complicated of a society. No, we don't. It's all in a matter of taking a step backwards. Sometimes we need to throw the cell phones away 
the TVs away, all the communication devices, and start communicating with God. And you know what? You're waiting for some big tower and, you know, transfiguration account. Guess what? It's probably going to be because you're reading God's Word. Not. He could, he could give you one of those, but uh, more than likely it's going to be you need to be reading God's Word. And the last three are corporate disciplines of confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. But just looking at the four inward disciplines, a lot of people are not truly praying and fasting for something. In the circle maker, Patterson, who has a church down in Washington, D.C., was wanting his congregation to pray for people for 40 days. If I ask you this year, how many of you have prayed for a Pacific person for 40 days to get saved? How many people could raise their hands? A lot of times, we're not doing what the Word of God says. And we wonder, well, why am I so defeated? Well, maybe if we did what the Word of God says and we spend time in the Word of God, we wouldn't be defeated. In Hebrews 4.12, it's a, and it talks about the Word of God being sharper than a two-edged sword. And it says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And a lot of times, we like to do things and say, Oh, but you know what? The, Holy Spirit, the Word of God can tell you, What's your motive behind it? A lot of times we might think we're doing something, oh, look, but there might be an ulterior motive behind it. Let's get our motives with the Word of God. Let's have a compassion for the people that need compassion. Let's, let's have, have the eye, eyes of God to see the hurting people around us. A lot of times, we get caught up in our schedule and not God's schedule. We have places to be and places to go, but God's wanting us to take a step back. You might have somebody who needs time. And it's something that we don't like to give up is our time. Because you know what? You never get time back. There's no reimbursement on time. In conclusion, are we trusting God's Word or are we questioning God's words with whatever we're going through? Do we question, is God sovereign, infinite in wisdom, perfect in love? Or are we trusting what God's Word says? And I mean, I've heard the saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And a lot of times that's the way we need to be. When God's Word says something, we need to believe it. And there shouldn't be any questioning it. And it's, another point is, how close are we to God? Are we in the rabbi's dust? You know, and I try to picture where I would be if I lived during the time of Jesus. Would I be in the multitude of crowd that's following him when it's nice, easy, and convenient? Or would I be up to the 72? Or could, would I even be closer, maybe the 12? Or would I be in the three? Only you can answer that question. How close to God do you want to be? Because when Moses went up on the mountain, the people 
the Israelites didn't want to go with him. They didn't want to get close to God. So we have to ask ourselves, how close do we want to really get to God? Because you know what? When you really want to get close to God, you look at the Bible. You read the Bible. You study the Bible. You meditate on what the Bible says. A lot of times we can be complacent with where we're at and with watching people, believers and unbelievers. You know what? Whether I like to admit it or not, because at work they know I'm a Christian, I have about 40 guys watching to see what I say, what I do, how I act. And believe me, when I don't act like a Christian, they're the first ones to let me know about it. You're being watched. And if you're a parent, your kids are watching you very closely. Because my brother Bobby, who lives in Hawaii, who works in the education department, he's, he worked with special needs kids. And he said, you show me a dysfunctional kid, I'll show you a dysfunctional parent. A lot of times, we don't like to see how close the apple falls from the tree. We like to believe that we're living a good Christian life. But when we put our, our life up against the Word of God, how well are we doing? It's easy to compare ourselves to the people around us, because they're making all kinds of mistakes just like us. And the third thing is, what are we doing to get close to God? And I know a lot of my sermons do with practical things, because I'm a practical person. And it says, what practical things can you do to start getting closer to God? And which schedule are we running, God's or our own? And how available are we for God to use? Which book of the Bible is the Holy Spirit leading me or you to study? When was the last time you really meditated on what you read in God's Word? Meditated on the book of the Bible that you're studying. How many of us have gone into reading or studying one of the books of the Bible? And we prayed and fasted about what God wanted to show us in that book. Because each one of us is on different stages. God can show us different things. So I want to just encourage everybody that as we're getting close to summer, the weather's getting nice, guess what? Vacation times hit. What happens when vacation times hit? People leave their Bible sitting on a shelf. When do you, can you get deceived? When your Bible's sitting on a shelf. A lot of times we want to look at deceptions and we look at different cults. But you know what? A lot of Christians don't know what the Word of God says about different topics in the Bible because they haven't taken the time to study the topics. There's all kinds of research tools available to us in the United States. If you lived over in Russia, you wouldn't have near the research tools to get closer to God than what we are. In the end, we have to stand before God for what we did and didn't do. Just like the sheep and the goats. Where are we going to line up at it? I'd like to say, oh yeah, I'm, I know I'm going, to, I'm going to be really good. You know what? Each one of us is in a race. It's a marathon race. Day one of the rest of your life starts today. What you going to do with it? Are you going to study God's Word? 
Are you going to get closer to God? Are you going to do some of the spiritual disciplines of fasting and trying to get close to God? Or are, we going to, or are you going to be casual? And that's what I have for you today. And as we Memorial Day, you remember the veterans, but also remember that you are a veteran of a far more important army than the United States Army. You are a veteran of God's army. And as a veteran being in God's army, are you doing what the Word of God says? I'm just going to close in prayer. Dear Lord, we just come before you. Lord, we just want to say, confess, Lord, that we're falling short of what, you, what your Word has for us. Lord, we just want to give you all the praise and the glory. Lord, we thank you that this is day one, that your mercies are new every day. Lord, help each person in here grow closer to you, Lord, that they wouldn't be deceived on anything. Lord, that they would truly understand what your word has for them, Lord, that they would have a desire in their heart for your word. Lord, let there be a passion in this place for your word, God, that it would touch the hearts and lives of people here, Lord. Lord, we want your heart for the people in this community. We want your eyes for the people in this community, Lord. Lord, let our words be words of life that will bring people closer to you. Lord, let us know your word, Lord, because when we know your word, we know you. We just ask that the Holy Spirit move through this place today, Lord, and in each person, Lord. And Lord, as we celebrate Memorial Day weekend, Lord, we do thank you for the veterans that have served in the U.S. military, Lord. But Lord, we also thank you for the Christian forefathers before us who gave us this country, Lord, who spent time studying and meditating on your word, Lord. Help us to get back to those days, Lord, where people truly study your word and meditate on your word, Lord, and let it be a guide to our living. We thank you that we can trust your word, that it is infallible, Lord, that it's never wrong. Lord, we want to, want to put our trust in you, Lord. We give you this day, Lord, and we give you the rest of our, our time, Lord, that, or until the Lord returns. We just want to praise and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.